out. What's up? This is why I put page numbers at the bottom of the notes. <laughs> people like you know. <laughs> people like me. <laughs> hey, welcome to church. Uh, excited that you guys are here. My name is Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at Northwood Church in Long Beach. And excited that you guys are here. Absolutely full house. And excited to, to celebrate uh, Jesus together and kick off a new series like Vic shared. Uh, it's called Kingdom Stewardship. And uh, this, is, this is a big one for us. It's, it's got a lot attached to it um, that I think when we get this or when God reveals it to us, uh, I think it changes everything in our lives. So excited to open that up today. We are one church in four different communities. Obviously here in Long Beach, we've got a location in Gulfport, a location in Wiggins, and then a location in Ocean Springs. Our Ocean Springs location, each location is pretty unique. Everyone's got a little bit different feel. Uh, Ocean Springs is our only location that doesn't have a permanent location. We lease out the Civic Center. And uh, when we were in the lease agreement, uh, myself and Pastor Stephen went in front of uh, the city and kind of talked through about how we do this. And they said, here's the deal. There's one week a year that you can't use the Civic Center. And it's the week of Peter Anderson Festival which means that they do not have a location to meet. And, you know, instantly we were like, well, what are we going to do? Not have church on Sunday? And something I absolutely love, Pastor Stephen was super quick in front of uh, the town, said this. He said, oh, we'll, just, we'll all attend the Peter Anderson Festival. We'll be Jesus at the Peter Anderson Festival. So, so right now our Ocean Springs location is at the Peter Anderson Festival. I would ask how many you wish you were there, but I really don't want to know. So uh, it's going to be cool. Also, hey, just to let you guys know, each location is a little bit different. If you look around, you realize that uh, this location has uh, a lot of people attending. So letting you guys know, we are in the works of opening a second service. It will be at the beginning of next year. So you got about eight weeks to to seek God which service you want to go to. I'm just kidding. It's really not that big of a uh, decision you have to make, but that's just to make room because we realize that we are out of room and we've been out of room for a little bit. We don't want to do, we don't want to do it during the holidays uh, just because we don't want to. We want to plan, prepare. We do need a few more volunteers uh, for a couple different teams, hosts and NC Kids, and if we can build those teams, we'll be ready to go. We believe the second week of January uh, at the turn of the year, so it's going to be good. Like I said, Kingdom Stewardship starts today, and uh, I, I don't know what you are expecting when it comes to this conversation. Um, today's goal is to really just break down those two words. Today is very introductory, um, which means uh, it's setting up the next three weeks, um, really talking about it and thinking about it. We're like, we really need one of these weeks just to kind of get our brains around these topics. Um, it, it's funny, sometimes... Uh, we just jump right in, and then I believe there are times that when we set the table well, it sets up the next three weeks really well. So that's what today's goal is. I'm going to do my best not to needle into a lot of things. So in a lot of ways, this is going to feel like a flyover. Like, we'll talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. Uh, we'll talk about this, this, and this um, the following three weeks. But today, again, is a flyover. Let's pray and dive into the Word. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together God, we don't take it for granted that we are here, and we genuinely believe that you're here also. So God, I pray that today you would speak to us, that you'd reveal truth to us, God, in every area of our life. God, as we begin this conversation about kingdom stewardship, 
God, I pray that you would open up your word. Your word is the one that changes everything. It's, it's not my words, it's your words. So God, I pray that we wouldn't fall in love with your word. And God, as we talk about the kingdom today, God, that you would reveal um, who you are and what you say about the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. So kingdom stewardship. We all, all of us live in a kingdom either knowingly or unknowingly. We all live in a kingdom, and again, either knowingly or unknowingly, we are under the rule and reign of some sort of king. This kingdom isn't necessarily um, how we picture kingdoms. A lot of you have watched series on Netflix that talk about kingdoms and monarchies and different things like that, but a lot of our kingdoms that we live in our political, um, our geographical, their economical, their relational. Like basically we are subject to something. That's what the kingdom is. And all of us are subject to some sort of kingdom. When we're talking about kingdom stewardship, we are talking about this from the lens of a disciple of Christ, a follower of Jesus, where the vast majority of people in here have made decisions at some point in their life to surrender their life to Jesus. If not, by the end of the service, you will have an opportunity to do that. But when we surrender our life to Jesus, we are therefore considered a disciple of Christ. And because of that confession of faith, we are now subject to a different kingdom. The kingdom that we are ruled and reigned by has changed. And everything that we have, everything that we are, everything that makes us us is subject to a new king. So we start to think about what does a kingdom like this look like? You know, what, what is this? God decided that his kingdom would look completely different than the world's. It's, it's not going to think the same. It's not going to act the same. It's going to be different. So what we wanted to do as we start this conversation is really talk about the kingdom of God. What, if we're supposed to be stewards of the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is, is not just one mention in the word of God. Matter of fact, in the New Testament, it's mentioned over 150 times. The kingdom of God. The kingdom is a big deal in the word of God. The kingdom of God was a big deal to Jesus. I think 85% of the references of those 150 were actually Jesus referencing in the gospels. The kingdom is a big deal. So what we wanted to do for a moment is kind of talk about that. Mention some of the spots where we see it in the word. And then allow the word to speak to us through his word. The kingdom of God, you'll see this on the screens, but the kingdom of God is this kind of by definition, it's the realm. It's the realm, the, the atmosphere where God reigns supreme and where Jesus is king. The third song that we sang today was King of Kings. It was a declaration of truth. It was a declaration of the kingdom of God and the king of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the realm where God reigns supreme, sovereignly. He is in control, and Jesus is king. In this kingdom, his authority is recognized. 
his kingship, his lordship is obeyed. He is the governing authority. In this kingdom, it's not just a thing about like space or territory. What's our state lines? You know, it's not that type of deal at all. It's not like politics. It's not like a national kingdom at all. Instead, it's this mindset of a kingly rule, lordship of of reign, really of his control. No one likes the word control. Like, (laughs) control, I don't want to be controlled. You don't want to be controlled. The vast majority of us don't want to be controlled. But when you are subject legitimately to a king, you are under the king's control. So let's go to the word. And see some of the spots, some of those 150 references to the kingdom of God. One of the spots that we see it is John the Baptist. When he begins his ministry announcing the kingdom of God in Matthew 3, he says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist's role, his whole life's purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus the king. So he starts his ministry by saying, Hey, yo, Something's changing. We need to turn, repent just means turn from the previous way of living, turn from that because the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is here. What was he talking about? He was actually talking about his cousin who later becomes his savior, Jesus. Jesus then takes over in Matthew chapter 4, his his very first ministry test, uh, he, he goes into, before he ever performs public ministry, he goes into the wilderness and endures temptation and just all different types of things going on in the wilderness for 40 days. But when he comes out of the, the season of temptation, he comes out and he says this in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, from that time Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, <laughs> stop, don't go the way you've been going, repent, why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His cousin was prophetically speaking about the one that was bringing the kingdom of heaven. Jesus was prophetically speaking saying, I am the kingdom of heaven. I am bringing it and it is at hand. It is, it's here. Everything has changed. I am here. Jesus teaches his followers not just about it. He's not just warning people saying, hey, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He begins to say how to actually enter the kingdom of God. It says this, he says, just so you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, the one who does the will, the actions, the decisions of the one who is actually in control, whoever does what he says will be citizens of this kingdom. And then Jesus makes a bold statement that is still under fire today. That's actually, I believe, becoming more and more under fire in a postmodern world that we live in. But he says this. He says about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, he says, I'm the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in. He would go in and out and he'll find pasture. He made a, a claim that I think is really important in the world that we live in. The popular philosophy that there's a lot of different ways to get to God. That all roads end in the same spot. 
The Bible stands up against that and says that's not true. Jesus himself says, I am the way. A lot of times we want to we want to achieve things different ways or we find an easy way out or an easy way around. And I think this is really important for the next generation coming up as you are lambasted with this, this thought that says there's a lot of different ways to achieve closeness to God. There's a lot of different ways to get to heaven. If you follow this God or this teaching or this one, all these religions lead to the same spot Jesus stands 2,000 years ago and says, hey, there's only one way, and it's through me. If you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, if you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, I am the door. I am the way that you enter in to the kingdom of God. Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God, and he does it through literally just, just saying and talking about it like we just saw, but then he used stories a lot. He used parables, and he, there was this parable in Luke chapter 13 where he starts to talk about the kingdom of heaven, and he makes reference to it like a mustard seed. It's Luke 13, 18, and 19. He says this, he said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? Man, what's this thing like? Okay, you got me sold. He's the king. I want to be in that. What's this thing like? And Jesus says, and to what shall I compare it? He says, it's like a grain of mustard seed. That a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. Significant teaching here. The mustard seed, arguably the smallest seed out there. He's saying, man, it's like when you let that thing, you put that in the ground, and then it just takes over. You see the soil and the life. It's not talking about vegetation and landscape. It's talking about the soil and vegetation and landscape of our life. When we allow the kingdom of God in, it consumes every part of us. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to consume our thoughts, our actions, our every part of who we are is subject to the king. When we moved in our house in Long Beach six years ago, uh, we, we bought this home, and in one corner it had these flowers, Easter lilies, I think that's what they're called, that would pop up, and it was like, it was like magic, honestly. Like every Easter, that morning, it was like, whoa, there's this thing. Like how do they know that it's Easter? But like they would pop up. And the first year we were there, there was like three that came up. And it was like, wow, this is really cool. And then they died, and that was it. I was like, hey, cool show. Thanks, you know, appreciate it. The next year, there was like six, seven, eight of them. I didn't do anything. It was just it seemed to be consuming this back corner of my yard. I was like, wow, that's different, but that's cool. The next year, I kid you not, there are probably 20, 25, and I'm like, okay, this is getting a little out of hand. Like, slow your roll, Easter Lily. <laughs> like, you ain't that impressive. You know what I'm saying? But we didn't really do anything, honestly, just because I was a little lazy. I was just like, eh, they're going to die. They last a day. Run over them with a mower. Done. Done deal. The next year, they were all over. Like, I, I don't know where they went. I don't know what happened. But they consumed a third of the back corner. And I was like, okay, this is, we got to dig this up. This is not good. This is going to, it was in my neighbor's yard. It was, it was going all over. Easter lilies can be controlled. The kingdom of heaven actually isn't supposed to be controlled. It's supposed to be allowed to invade every single area 
of your life. And that's what Jesus was saying. He's saying, if you will allow the kingdom of heaven to have its reign, oh, it will. And it'll go every spot in your life. And it wasn't just this thing that would just naturally come. Jesus urges, like pleads with his followers to pray for the kingdom to come. Said in Matthew 6, this is the Lord's Prayer. Our Father. He says, pray like this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Interesting, we just studied the Beatitudes one chapter before this. This word, this word picture that it paints, your kingdom come, is like this strong desire. Remember in Matthew 5 where it said, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, like this craving, this desire, this appetite that cannot be craved after righteousness, it's actually the exact same word. Desire, crave, your kingdom come, it paints the same picture. It says, we want it so badly. Pray like this, that the kingdom would come. Jesus promised that he would come again. We see that in the word of God. And it says that he would come again to earth in glory to establish his kingdom as this eternal inheritance to people. These are all about the kingdom of God. But he says that in Matthew 25. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, it says, then he will sit on his glorious throne. It's funny, in these moments, oftentimes the people that were closest to Jesus still weren't getting the spiritual implications of this kingdom. You see his closest friends and followers saying, you're about to be king? You're, you're about to be king? Like, and we're friends with you? Like, they were jockeying for position. Some moms got involved, like, hey, can my son sit, like, right next to you? Like, you, you know how it is. Like, that's prestigious. They'll be in the camera shot when you're on the news. Like, that's a sweet gig if my boys can get that. And Jesus is just like, dude, stop. It's also important to know that Jesus was speaking a lot to these people that have been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds of years that a Messiah was going to come and he was going to rule and reign. They believed that it had major political implications. They, they believed that their Savior, that their Messiah was going to be this political powerhouse. Unfortunately, we fall into the same trap and we pray that prayer a lot of times. We pray for revival, revival to take place through the hands of a president or through a political leader and that's not the type of kingdom that we're talking about. The Jews were looking for this guy that would overthrow the government, overthrow the system. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to come, and my life, my kingdom will affect the system, but that's the worldly system. I'm not even involved. I don't, I don't want to get involved with that. My eyes are something much bigger. The kingdom of God. John 18 is actually where he says that his kingship was not of this world, which disturbed a lot of people because they wanted it to be of this world. <laughs> Come on, be of this world. Please, like, change this world because it's no good, right? I don't think he was implying, though, that it wouldn't have anything to do with this world. But again, it was lifting up eyes, saying that, where his dominion and his authority and his rule and reign came from 
was not from this world. It was a different atmosphere. Is that my phone? Jesus? Okay, cool. <laughs> you guys are always so good at turning your phones off. There was one Sunday, somebody's phone was going off. I'm like, come on, come on. And it was mine. Mine was up there. I was like, whoops. <laughs> I also like it when you guys have ringtones that have songs on them so we can sing them together. That's always fun too. So anyway, so hey, where and when is the kingdom of God? Where does this take place? Because sometimes the Bible refers to the kingdom of God as this present reality. Like it's here. Kingdom come. It's here. But then it also speaks oftentimes of this future tense, of a future reality. And I will say this. Yes. <laughs> it's both. It's both. The apostle Paul said the kingdom of God was part of our present spiritual life. He says it in Romans, he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's saying right now you can experience the kingdom of God that is peace, that is joy. It's these spiritual implications that are attached to an eternal kingdom that we are subject to as disciples of Christ. But then Paul also teaches followers that you've got to enter the kingdom of God. He supports what Jesus said, and he says you enter the kingdom of God at salvation. He says it in Colossians. He says he, he's talking about Jesus right here. He says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness. He has taken us out of this kingdom of darkness, and he has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has done this. But then you've got Jesus that talks about this future inheritance, this future kingdom of God. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom that's been prepared for you from the creation of the world. He's saying, it's future tense. Look out. It's out there. There are so many references to the kingdom of God, but in a flyover view, the big point or maybe the big idea that I think we need to grab onto is that as a citizen in the kingdom of God, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a citizen in the kingdom of God, we no longer can, should, will live by earthly rules alone. It's not just about the law of the land anymore, but it's by the rules of God's kingdom. Not just the rules as instruction. So often we fall into a religious trap that our relationship with God becomes do this, do this, do this. I'm talking about the rule, the reign of Jesus. Our life is now subject to a different king. So what is kingdom stewardship? It's with that reality that the kingdom of God exists. We now are called to steward, manage, take care of our lives, every part of our lives, with this in mind. That we are now citizens of a different land, of a different reign. 
most of us have only lived in one country. But when you begin to study and look at people who have moved and become citizens of new countries, they are subject. It doesn't matter the way that they were previously taught, previously grew up, the rules that they once operated by, they are now subject to a new land. And that land is supreme as far as instruction for the way of living in that land. The kingdom of God is the same. As a follower of Jesus, we are now called to be kingdom stewards. So what is kingdom stewardship? One theologian said this. This is probably the longest quote I'll ever use, but it's worded so well. It's the task of the church to make the invisible kingdom visible. We do that by living in such a way that we bear witness to the reality of the kingship of Christ in our jobs, in our families, in our schools, even our checkbooks, because God in Christ is king over every one of these spheres of life. The only way the kingdom of God is going to manifest or be manifest in this world before Christ comes is if we manifest it by the way that we live as citizens of heaven and subjects of the king. Everything that we have, every part of our life, is ultimately given to us by God. And when we begin to see life in that way, that means that just the moment that we share right now, the time that we have, the, the breath in our lungs, the gifts, the talents that God has given us, the resources that he's given us, every single thing that we possess is actually a gift from God. The psalmist actually said it. He said in Psalm 16, he said, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Some translations say you are my king. He said, I have nothing good apart from you. Like nothing in my life is self-made or self-earned. Everything that I have is a gift from you. And oh, if we could get this. If this could become a reality in our lives. A reality so much that we actually live by it. I found myself this morning, actually a lot of times on Sunday mornings, we'll be in the back room talking with the band and like just getting ready for service. And a prayer that so often happens back there is, God, for whatever reason you, told, you, you gifted us with talents, musical abilities, not me, the band. And the sweetest prayer I hear every Sunday is, God, so we just give them back to you. Like, it's yours. What if we did that with our time? We'll talk about time next week. What if we said that this moment in time that you gave us, I know everywhere around us, everyone around us, the world is like, this stinks to live in 2021. How terrible. Something shifted in my heart. What a privilege that God would trust us with 2021, with the chaos, with the controversy, 
with the division, with the hate, with the outrage. What a privilege that God would trust us, Esther said, for such a time as this. Well, I want to be that type of church that says, you trust us, God, with this? I want to be a good steward of this moment in history. We'll talk more about that next week. A Puritan that lived in the 1600s, his name is Theophilus Gale, said this. Whatever I thankfully receive as a token of God's love to me, I part with contentedly as a token of my love to him. We have a responsibility to steward all that we have. And over the next three weeks, we're going to break that down. But the reason we are responsible to do that is because we are citizens of a different kingdom. The only way that that could take place was through Jesus. I realize that the vast majority of us in this room are citizens of this kingdom. But as we sang songs of worship this morning, as we declared truth, as we celebrated communion together, where we talked about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, I'd be amiss if I didn't give an opportunity for people who haven't surrendered their citizenship to the kingdom of heaven through the door, through the way, the truth, the life, through Jesus, and believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. So if you guys are comfortable with it, would you guys just bow your heads for just a moment? And we want to pray together, God in heaven. And I'd encourage you, maybe just right now, right here, just tell God, man, search me. Search my heart right now. Reveal anything that's displeasing to you. Maybe, maybe this is a moment where it almost feels like God's speaking to you. There's this feeling, there's this thought, there's, there's some sort of connection that's saying, you aren't a citizen of the kingdom of God. You've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Before we ever enter into what it looks like and how it plays out in our life as citizens of this kingdom, some of you need to make decisions today to become a citizen. And that can only come through the life, through the death, and through the resurrection of Jesus. If you're in this room and you're saying today's the day that I want to surrender my life to Jesus through what he did on the cross for me, I just want you to maybe look up at me, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to not going to make you come to the front of the room. Thank you so much. Anyone else that says yes? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? This isn't no this isn't a pressure thing, but you're saying, "Okay, it feels like a tug of war." God's saying today is the day to give in. One more time, if you haven't lifted your hand or raised your eyes up, just let me know. Thank you so much. It's a new day. The old is gone, the new has come. What seems like brokenness, pain, sometimes you try to present like everything's okay, but you're just broken. Today's the day of surrender, of new life, of new hope. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's a prayer of salvation and surrender. You can agree in your heart. You can confess with your mouth. 
this prayer, and it's a prayer of connection to Jesus. God in heaven, I'm separated from you, and you've revealed it to me. At this moment in time, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that you love me so much that you died for me. So today at 11.04 a.m., I'm choosing to surrender my citizenship to a new kingdom, to the kingdom of God. I believe that you died for me, so today I choose to live for you. I know, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. So I thank you today for saving me, and I commit today to living for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.